Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. Well, I'm going to give you a gift today. I'm going to add 4.6 days to your life this morning. Are you excited about that? How many excited? 4.6 days. It doesn't mean much now, but trust me, at some point you'll be happy for that uh, or not. I don't know, kind of depending on how things are going. 4.6 days. I want to teach you a word. Uh, I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. A little Greek runs a restaurant, a little Hebrew runs a clothing store. Uh, but this is a Hebrew word. The word is shuva. Shuva. Say that. Shuva. But now you got to say it with gusto. I mean, it comes from down here. Shuva. Shuva. Yeah, it kind of makes you want to click your heels or do something. Shuva. Uh, shuva is the Hebrew word that would, that would coincide somewhat with our English word repent or repentance. It's that idea of, of rejecting sin and, re, and repenting. Shuva. It is found... Uh, oh, there it is. It's a Hebrew word that equates with the word repentance. I, I wrote that. It literally means to return home, to come back. But it means so much more than that. It, it is found and exemplified in one of my favorite psalms, the 51st Psalm... King David has been confronted for his sin with Bathsheba. Nathan, the prophet, has come to him and, and, uh, and said, you're the man. You're the one that's done this. And David, to his credit, repents of that. That 51st Psalm is called, in Hebrew, the Perek Shuva, the great repent. It's literally called the great repent, the Perek Shuva. And David says, have mercy on me, O God, According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Shuva, the great repent. I, I see my sin. I'm sickened and saddened by it. And, and Lord, I want to turn away from that. Shuva, that's the word. But it means so much more than just repent. And so what I want to do today, I want to tell you three stories. And in those three stories, I think we, we find a, a more full description of, this, of, the, of the full meaning of, of Shuva. And hopefully recognize some of that in our own life. The first story... And these are familiar Sunday school stories that, that you know. The first story is the story of the golden calf. You remember that story? Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They've been, they've been wandering through the wilderness now for about 25 to 30 days. They are about a week away from entering into the promised land. And God calls Moses up onto the mountain and he gives him the Ten Commandments. Remember that story? Charlton Heston did that, and it was in, it was in all the papers. It was a great thing. And uh, so he goes up on the mountain. 
while he is there, the children of Israel began to get fearful, and they go to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they say, we want a, a tangible, physical image that we can worship, and so uh, make us a golden calf. So Aaron has them uh, turn in their earrings and their, and their rings and their bracelets and take their grills out, you know, and all those things. They put it in, they melt it, and they make a golden calf, and they're worshiping before the golden calf. Moses is on the mountain, and God sees that going on while he's talking to Moses, and he is furious. And God says to Moses, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Just let me at him. I'm going to kill him. And you almost have this picture of Moses standing before God and between, saying, no, God, don't. He's, I'm, no, I'm going to kill him. Let me go. Let me go. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And, and Moses says, God, give them another chance. And so Moses goes down to, to talk to the children of Israel. The funny thing about this story, he sees the golden calf and he says, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Just let me out. And now God is standing between Moses and the children of Israel. And as Moses confronts them with their sin, they shuva. They repent. They shuva. Now, here's an interesting thing about the story. They repent, and the scripture says God relents of his desire to kill them, to destroy them. And the word, the Hebrew word is shuva. So both the children of Israel repent and, and God repents. In other words, we are called to repentance. That's what God expects of us. But he also provides for it, that, he, that he, he makes it possible, that he draws us in. Now, there, there's a price to pay. There are still consequences. The Levites take their swords and strike down about 3,000. They die on that day. They're a week away from uh, the promised land. And now for 40 years, they wander around in the real, as a result. There's still going to be a price to pay for sin. But God's promise to us is that if you shuva, if you repent, then I will repent and, I'll, and help you to turn away, to turn back from that. Does that make sense to you? So in Exodus chapter 32, Moses says to the people, you've committed a great sin. Now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for you. Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They've made themselves gods of gold, but now please forgive their sin. If not, then blot me out of the book you have written. And they repent, and God repents. God requires and makes provision for our turning away from our sin. He calls us to shuva, and he also grants us shuva. I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to say that there are those times in our lives, even those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, there are those times in our lives where we are confronted by our sin. That thing that, we, that has crept in, and sometimes we don't even know where it came from, but that thing that is there and we are confronted by that, and, and God draws us to this place where we say, I, no. No, I don't want that. I, I turn away from that. I, I repent. Um, I shuva. I, I repent. Okay? Well, there's, 
there's more to it than that, though. It's not just that, that turning away. Uh, here's another story. This is the story of the Ark of the Covenant. Now they have been wandering in the wilderness for a number of years, and again they desire a, a tangible, physical, visible image of the presence of God, and this time God gives that to them. God uh, instructs Moses to have an ark built, not the animals two by two floating on the water ark, but a, a, a box, a chest, the ark of the covenant. And God instructs them to build an ark. He tells them exactly how to build it. It's to be covered with gold. The, the, the seat, the, uh, the, the lid of the ark is going to have the horn. It's just, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And in it, you will place some things that remind you of the presence of God. The, 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 the tablets, the Ten Commandments will be laid in there. Some of the manna that God gave them to feed them as they're wandering in the wilderness. And so the ark becomes this, it becomes symbolic of the presence of God in their lives. When the ark is there, the presence is there. When the ark's at work, God's at work. So that when they take the ark into battle, they're successful in battle. When they, when they, uh, fail to, when they don't take the ark in battle, they're not successful. They, 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 they lose in the battle. And so the ark of, God, of the covenant becomes, it becomes, uh, parallel to the presence of God in their lives. Until it's not. Uh, one day, Samuel's sons go into battle without God's blessing. They take the ark and the unthinkable thing happens. They, they lose the ark. They, 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 they lose it. In fact, not only do they lose it, they lose it to their arch enemy, to, their, to the Philistines. It would be like, you know, losing it to Michigan uh, or to, uh, or we're Ohio State fans, or for you Tennessee fans, it would be like losing it to Alabama. They lose it to Alabama. Uh, awful, isn't it? <laughs> Let's just have an altar call right now. Let's just stop and come. They lose the ark. Now, what a trophy. The Philistines have this great trophy. And so to really demean the, the Israelites and God, they place the trophy, this trophy, the Ark of the Covenant, in the temple to their god Dagon. And, and this is going to be a great thing, except they come in the next morning and the god has fallen on its face. And so they stand it back up and they come back the next day and it's fallen on its face. And it just keeps happening. They're kind of slow. Finally, it falls and breaks. And they say there's something going on. Then they begin to develop tumors. And so they say, we need to get this thing out of here. They move it across the county line uh, back to where the Israelites live. They get one of those storage units, you know, that you can rent. And they put it in a storage unit. And there it stays for a while. And everybody kind of forgets about it. Until a young king comes to power, David. And David says, we want to bring the presence of God back to Jerusalem. So we're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back to Jerusalem. You remember this story? So David gets a cart to get the Ark of the Covenant. You know what a cart is? A cart's made of boards and big wheels. Lots of churches try to be run by boards and big wheels. They think that's what it takes to be a great church. It takes more than boards and big wheels. It takes the presence of God. They get a cart. They load the ark on the... On the God has said, by the way, don't touch the ark. If you touch it, you'll die. And so they start... I, I imagine the oxen stumble. The cart shifts a little bit. The ark, the ark starts to move. 
and a guy by the name of Ohio, go Bucks, a guy by the name of Ohio, reaches out to touch the ark and God strikes him dead. And David is incensed. So David says, hey, we're not going any further. There's a guy that lives right there, Obed-Edom. And David just backs the cart into Obed-Edom's garage right beside an old motorcycle that won't run and a Jeep that he's overhauling, backs it in there. And they leave it and go back. And for the next three months, every time David picks up the newspaper or turns on Facebook, all he sees is that God is blessing the house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom's crops are growing. His kids are doing great. The, everything, God, and David says, man, we've got to get this ark back. And so after three months, God goes back to the house of Obed-Edom. I mean, uh, David goes back to the house of Obed-Edom, but this time he does it the right way. He takes the priest and he prays and they put the poles through the rings on the ark the way God told them to carry it originally. And the Bible tells us something interesting that every time they take six steps, they slit the throat of a bull or they take six steps and they kill a lamb or six steps and they and they sacrifice two turtle doves. They they sacrifice all the way back to Jerusalem. And I just kind of imagine, this isn't part of the sermon, it's just kind of an afterthought, but I kind of imagine that if we really want the presence of God in our lives, that's kind of the way we live. Six steps and a sacrifice. Six steps and a sacrifice. Constantly humbling ourselves before God and making sure that we stay in the, in the center of His will. Well, let me read you that scripture story. Um, there it is. Uh, the ark in Second Samuel, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. Isn't that a great story? Uh, It says, and David returned the ark to the city of God. And the Hebrew word there for return is an interesting word. It's shuva. Shuva. So it's not just repenting and, and being sorry for my sin and turning away from it. It's not just that, but it's also turning toward something. It's, well, it's just coming back home. Do you remember that time? you remember that place when you... When you came home for the first time, I, I, uh, I grew up in a, a church uh, that had altar calls. And uh, so I, I came to know the Lord when I was seven years old. And then again when I was eight. And then when I was nine, when I was ten. I went to a church where we believed in backsliding and we practiced it frequently. Uh, 
And then, uh, and then church camp came along. And so I got saved every year at church camp over and over and over again. But th- at one point, sometime, there was that moment where it just was, it was home. I had come into the presence of God in such a way that that was where I belong. That was home. Now, I have to tell you, there have been times in my life where I have found myself, Angelo, in a far off country. Where I, or somehow I have, and I just want to come back home. And shuva is not just repenting of my sin and turning away from it, but it's God drawing me back home. It's the prodigal son. It's him waking up in the pig pen saying, hey, I, I had it better off. I'd have it better off if I was a servant in my father's house. I just want to go back home and tell my father I've sinned. I'm not worthy to be called your son, but just allow me to be a servant. And when he comes, he, he just crosses the hilltop and there's the father with his arms open wide. Welcome him back home. Have there been times in your life where you just needed to get back home Back into the Father's presence. Uh, a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, uh, my son, my youngest son, actually got married this past weekend in Houston, Texas. We finally are empty nest people. Thank God for that. We are so excited about being empty nest people. So he got married in Houston, Texas. A month ago, Doris and I went to uh, Houston to meet. Allison, now our new daughter-in-law, to meet Allison's uh, parents and to have a wedding shower for them. And Jacob and Allison said, uh, Dad, would you drive down? Because we have some wedding gifts and we'd like for you to bring them back. So we drove. It was the trip from hell. I, it was, it was, <laughs> no offense to anybody from Houston, Texas, but I tell you, if I never see that place again, it'll be too soon. I, it, we drove. On the way back, or while we were down there, I got sick. I just got really sick. Just bad cold and just feeling yucky. And, and I just wanted to go home. I just wanted to be home. And so Doris, is, Doris said she'll drive. She's the hero. She, so she drove and we drove all day. It's about 10 o'clock at night. And I looked on MapQuest and we were six hours from Murfreesboro. And Doris said, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I need to stop and get a motel. And I said, no, no, we, I just want to go home. I just want to get home. And she said, no, we need to st- I need to stop. And I said, no. And she said, I'm stopping. And so <clears throat> that's about all I got. <laughs> so, uh, so she got off the interstate. And, uh, and there was a big sign, Motel 6. You know, we, don't, we stay at the finest motels and we travel. Motel 6, got off. And you know how you see that big... They might leave the light on for you, but they don't have good directions of how to get to their place. And, and they're kind of tucked back in there and you got to make... Now, Doris is directionally challenged. She can get lost pretty easy. So we got off and she turned the wrong way. And I knew she did. And I just sat there. And then she turned the wrong way again. And I just sat there again. And then she made a third wrong turn, and I just sat there. I said, I'm not telling her. I am not going to tell her. And finally she said, I'm lost, aren't I? I said, yes. She said, you know how to get there, don't you? I said, yes. She said, you're not going to tell me, are you? I said, nope. <laughs> I had to shuva. I had to repent because she found it and stayed there anyway. I would have slept in the van all night if she hadn't repented. So, so 
But there are those times where you just, where nothing else works except going back home. And God says to us, it's, I'm, I'm not some angry taskmaster God who is whacking you on the head and say, stop doing that. No, it's not just repent and, and turn away from that. I'm trying to draw you back to me. I'm encouraging you to come back home to Shuvah. And I think that there are times in our lives where God says it's time to Shuvah, to come back home. Well, there's one more story. And this is the story of the Babylonian captivity. Um, they, they enter into the promised land. The children of Israel enter into the promised land. And then they serve God and then they don't serve God. And then they serve God and they don't serve God. And under this king they do well and then under this king they don't. And it just goes on and on and on. And, and until finally God says, look, I, I've got to get your attention. And so he allows them to be overrun, overtaken by the Babylonians. And as is the custom of that day, very often... When one country would overtake another country, they would expatriate them. They would, they would take the people literally out of the country and move them to a different country. The idea being, you're not going to revolt. You, you know, you're not going to fight if you're not even in your own country. And so it's, it was easier to control. And so they moved the children of Israel to Babylon. And after they had been there for 70 years... God says, okay, it's time to go back home. And so he raises up two people kind of at different stages, Nebuchadnezzar and Zerubbabel. Nebuchadnezzar, he sends back and Nebuchadnezzar begins to rebuild the wall. Uh, not Nebuchadnezzar, Nehemiah. I said Nebuchadnezzar in the early service too. Nehemiah. There's people at home right now saying, Nebuchadnezzar didn't rebuild the wall. Nehemiah. Uh, he has Nehemiah rebuild the wall. And, uh, and then Zerubbabel goes back to rebuild the city and particularly to rebuild the temple. And he is working to rebuild the temple. There's lots of struggles. And God comes and speaks to him through the prophet Haggai. And here's what he says. God says, the glory of this present house, the temple that you are building now, the glory of this present house will be greater then the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. It's, I need to repent. I need to, I, I need to turn away from my sin. And, 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 and I need to turn towards God and go back home. And God says, when you do that, The promise is that I will restore you to some place that's even greater than you can possibly imagine. That I will rebuild and restore. And and guys, I, I hate the things that you guys have had to go through to get to this place. But my promise is to every one of you that God has something on the other side of this that is bigger and better than you ever could imagine. And in fact, it's probably bigger and better than it would have been had you not gone through what you had gone through. That God's, that God's promise in Shuvah is that we come full circle. 
and I will bring you back to a place that is that far exceeds anything that you can ask or imagine. Shuva. Isn't that a great word? That God says, I'm going to bring you all the way back and the glory of this present house will be far greater than the glory of this former house. Shuva. So, here's what I think. I think that there are those times in our lives, there are moments that we come to where we are confronted by our sin and we say, I need to change that. I need to change that. And we turn away from it. And God says, no, I don't want you just to turn away. I want you to come back to me. And we come back to that place of knowing the warmth and the anointing and the power and the presence of God in our lives. And sometimes, very often, God begins to open a door then and say, now I want you to step into all of the blessing that I have for you. And if you're like me, I tend to say, no, I, I, you know what, I forfeited that. I, I, I gave that up. I, 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 you know, I messed up and so I'm not good enough for that anymore. And God says, not true, not true. Shuva is not really Shuva until we have come back and fully embraced and accepted all that God had for us on the other side of his great grace. Shuva. Isn't that a great word? Shuva. Uh, about a, oh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, my youngest grandson, uh, Jackson, who is uh, four, I think, uh, when the service is over, Doris will tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, Jackson, uh, he, God put him in our lives to keep all of us holy, I believe. Um, and so Josh said, Dad, Jackson was doing something wrong. And I told him, I said, Jackson, if you do that one more time, I'm going to spank you. And Jackson thought about that for a minute. He said, Dad, if you spank me, it's going to make me want to do it more. Josh says, all I could do is keep from laughing, but I just said, well, let's just try it then and see how that's working for you. That's not shuva. That's not shuva. Shuva is to say, I want all that you have for me, and I turn from that, and I come into your presence, and I, and, and I put the guilt and the shame of that stuff behind me, and I say, as Angelo said so well, We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Shuva. Shuva. So, let me ask you three questions. Uh, Pretty simple questions. The first one is, how do I make my iPad change there? Here's three questions. What is there now present in your life that makes it difficult for you to pray or to live with power or to know the presence of God in your life? What is there? I mean, it's, just be honest about your sin. What, what have you slipped into that you used to not do or, or, or just relationships you've developed that you just never would... Where do you need to repent? Where, where is God saying to you today, Shuva, repent. Not only am I calling you that, but I make that possible for you. Shuva. Here's the second question. 
When and where did you last know the close, intimate, anointed presence of God? How long has it been since you've been home? How, you know, how long has it been since you really... You know, the, we saying he's a good, good father. And you really, deep down in your gut, know that to be true. And the tears well up. And you... We don't, we don't live with our fingers on our pulse and go by feeling all the time, but we need that. And if it's been a long time since you've been home, then what is there going on that you just need to shuva to return home? And then the last one is this. Where, where in your life... What blessing of God do you stand on the edge of that, unwilling to re-enter, thinking that you no longer deserve His grace? What, what is there that God is laying for you? saying, I want to bless you in this. I want to anoint you in this. Oh, God, I messed up and I don't deserve that. And It's not shuva unless you've come full circle and said, God, I, all that you have for me, I want is that okay? Oh, 4.6 days. <clears throat> the American Journal of Medicine, the journal, that magazine, the American Journal of Medicine, that's it. Uh, they did a study a while back, and, uh, and they've kind of known this for a while, but kind of clarifying this. The hypothalamus, you know, the hypothalamus is a little, little part of the brain, a gland buried deep in the brain, almost at the base, close to the pituitary gland. The, the hypothalamus is... It's responsible for lots of things in, in the human body. One of the things that the hypothalamus, we believe, strongly affects is the aging process. Um, and we can speed up or delay the aging process by how effectively we are able to stimulate the hypothalamus. <clears throat> in other words, there are things that we can do that, that increase blood flow, encourage energy into the hypothalamus, that actually can help us to live longer. And so, they have, dis- they have decided this. They've kind of kind of uh, de- determined this. If you would learn one word a day, if you learned one word a day, then you would add approximately four years and seven months to your life by, by learning one word a day. Four years and seven months. I've taught you one word today. That figures to about 4.6 days. So just this one word. Somebody in the, second, in the early service said, I'm just going to repeat that same word every day over and over and over again. I don't know that it works that way. But okay, I've added one word. I've added four days and 4.6 days. Okay. What difference does that make? What, what difference does 4.6 days make? Unless I shuva. Who wants to live 4.6 days outside of shuva? I don't think it's a one-time event. I think it is a way that I live constantly saying, God, I want no part of my sin... I want to come home to you and I want to enter into this restoration and rebuilding that you have for me. Shuvah.
Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.